you would please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse 19. This is God's word. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out, with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, Let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Lots of lessons here, but the first one is God had promised that he was going to make Abraham's descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. He made that promise to a man whose wife couldn't have children. And God made them wait until finally, when humanly speaking, there was no hope, God gave them laughter. Isaac. Now, God has said, it is through Isaac that your, the promises concerning your descendants will be fulfilled. It's going to happen through him. Isaac 
doesn't get married until he's 40 years old. But once he gets married, they're ready to have kids. And it's not happening. And several years go by, and it's not happening. Ten years go by. Hasn't happened. At what point do you think Isaac began to pray for his wife? I'm guessing he did not wait 20 years. But he prayed for his wife. And after they'd been married for 20 years, God answered that prayer and gave them twins. He didn't give them 10 children. He gave them one pregnancy. And that one pregnancy was twins. And I want us to think for just a moment about how long 20 years is. How many of you in here, in this room right now, are less than 20 years old? Let me see your hands. That's the majority of the people in this room. You understand? Your whole lifetime. How many of you feel as if it's taken a long time to get to the age you are now? Let me see your hands. Okay? You see, the older you get, the less you think that. Early on, it's like, oh my word, when am I, when am I going to be out of middle school? Okay? Oh my goodness, when will I finally get finished with high school? Oh my word, when do I get finished with whatever is next? And then all of a sudden you start thinking, wow, I was, I was just 30 a few years ago, and now I'm 50. And then while you're trying to digest that, you realize you're 60. And you think, how is this possible? I'm, oh no, now I'm 70. I mean, shoo. So, if you're in the middle of something that you're waiting on, if you're looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet, time seems to move very, very slowly. Right? That's what happens when we're anticipating something. When's it going to get here? What's it gonna... What is the most universal expression of children riding in automobiles on a trip? Are we there yet? What a dumb question. If we were there yet, we wouldn't still be driving, would we? Okay? There are adults who will say things like, there's no such thing as a stupid question. That's not true. Okay? That belongs in the same category with, you can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. Okay? Try being a giraffe. <laughs> Just not happening. Okay? The fact of the matter is, when you are waiting for something, it seems like a long time. God understands that. And yet, Part of what he does over and over and over and over and over and over and over is make us wait. 
Because we need to. It's good for us. But it's difficult. It's not fun. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be purifying. It's supposed to remind us that we're not in control, that we can't just make things happen. By golly, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get out there and I'm just gonna make things happen. Well, you can make some things happen, but there's a whole lot of stuff, generally the things you want most, that you cannot make happen. And so the sooner that you realize, okay, I'm not in charge of the universe, God is. In fact, I'm not really in charge of my own life. I'm responsible for my decisions, but I want to submit my life to God. I want him to be in charge. I don't want him doing what I say. I want to do what he says. When you learn to live that way, you are nearing the end of the journey, okay? Time will go more quickly after that because you realize God's got a plan. This is part of God's plan. So, when these babies were finally conceived after decades of waiting, there was something going on inside. She's thinking, is this normal? I mean... It feels like my baby is fighting with himself. Well, he wasn't. He was fighting with his brother. You mean we're going to have twins? We have some precious friends who, uh, well, it's happened more than one couple that we know, but I was thinking of one couple in particular. They, They had a little boy, and he was just the apple of their eye. And then mom found out she was expecting again. Oh, my goodness. Wow, this one's so little, but it's great. You know, we can handle another one. It'll be wonderful. And then she found out it wasn't another one. It was two more. So she's going to have three kids really close together. Okay, by God's grace, we can handle that. And they had twins. So now they've got three. While they're trying to figure out what to do with these three precious little kids, she found out she was expecting again. Twins. They ended up with five children who were like three and under. I mean, it was like boom, boom, boom. They got a divorce. Pastor Wood, that's not funny at all. I didn't say it was funny. But it happened. Having multiple births is a blessing. And sometimes God pours out a blessing so great we hardly know how to receive it. They did get back together. They are happily reunited. Their children are now adults with children and walking with the Lord. I'm thankful to report that God is faithful even when people mess up. But I'll tell you something. When you're in the middle of the experience, it can be kind of alarming. And it was for her. So Rebecca asked the Lord, do you see that? Please notice that verse. 
The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. What do you do when you're wondering what's going on? Do you just wonder, or do you ask the one who knows everything? Do you inquire of the Lord? That doesn't do any good. Yes, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. How'd God know that? Well, God knows everything. God's in charge of everything. God knows the end from the beginning. God has a purpose and a plan. You and I need to realize that we can live our lives stupidly trying to manage what we can see based on what we know, or that we can go to the one who knows everything, including the future, and say, what would you have me do? I get probably... By 10 a.m., over 50 pieces of email every day that go directly to the trash, okay? And yes, I've done unsubscribe, and yes, I put as much as I can in the junk thing so that my software will try and block it in future, but there's more, here's more. And let me tell you what a lot of it is about. A lot of it is warning that we are headed into a major recession. And a lot of it is saying it's not going to be a recession. It's going to be this instead. And others are simply saying, please send money so that we can elect our candidate. I'm just telling you they don't know the future. And the question that I have to take to the Lord is not, what's going to happen so that I can then make my decision about what to do? All I need to know is what, what is God saying to do? Some months back, I preached to you from Jeremiah about how God told him to buy some land in a place where God had already told him there was going to be total devastation that was going to last 70 years. Okay? And so Jeremiah did what God said, and then he said to God, would you please tell me what, why you wanted me to do that? Why would I buy land in a place that's about to get wiped out? And God says, because... 70 years from now, it's going to be rebuilt. Yeah, but I'm not going to be around to profit from that. No, but you're a prophet. Different spelling. You're a prophet, and you're supposed to show the people that there is hope for the future, and that even though I'm having them wiped out right now, I'm going to have it rebuilt 70 years from now. So I take my money and invest it in property that's not going to do me any good? Yeah. 
but this is my money. No, it's not. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you have belongs to him. Everything you are belongs to him. And so we need to make our decisions not based on God giving us stock tips and then we know what to do, but based on the fact that God says, do this and live. Well, I mean, but God does want me to prosper, doesn't he? Define the word prosper. Understand? So God said, this is what's going to happen. There are two nations in your womb. Well, I thought it was crowded with twins. God sees the future. You remember the picture down there in our art gallery of the apple that's been sliced in half, and on one side, there's an apple, and on the other side, there's an unborn child. And the artist who did that said, and this is what the picture's about. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. God sees not just your life, but God sees the future. The future of your descendants if he blesses you with children. And so God told Rebekah, there are two nations in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. So this is not going to be like, you know, all the family reunions with it. No, this is not going to be that kind of family. These twins are going to end up going in different directions. One people will be stronger than the other. They're not going to be equal. And the older will serve the younger. That is not the norm. That is not the cultural expectation. That is the plan of God for these twins. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Now, how hairy was hairy? Well, some years later, in order to disguise the one who wasn't hairy as his brother, who was hairy, Mama put goat skins on his arms <laughs> so that when Dad, who was blind, checked his arms and felt the skin of a goat, his dad would think, yep, yeah, that's my boy Esau. <laughs> so... When it says here, his whole body was like a hairy garment, that's what they're talking about. That guy's an animal. Yep. And I'm, I'm sorry, I just have to say this. <laughs> I don't have to say this, but I want to say this. Have, have you had any friends who literally had to shave their neck so that there would be a break between the chest hair and the chin hair? Okay, I've, I've had friends like that. It's quite amazing. So they just want you to know they're not completely covered with hair if they shave it off. 
That's Esau, okay? Well, the boys grew up. Oh, I didn't mention Jacob. Jacob comes out holding on to Esau's heel. And so they say his name is one who grasps the heel. That is what Jacob means. My name, by the way, is James, which is the anglicized version of Jacob or Jacob. Got it? All our names have meaning, okay? Say, well, not my name. My name was made up by my mom, and nobody else on the planet has ever had my name. It doesn't really have a particular meaning. Yes, it means that your mama wanted you to be different. That's what it means. Okay? So he was named Jacob because he was grasping Esau's heel. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So 20-year wait, and then twins are born, and the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter. Notice the word became. Esau became a skillful hunter. Did you know that there are some things that you could do if you would become this? I can't even remember if it turns out to be true or an urban legend, but my recollection is that the basketball great Michael Jordan was either not able to make the team or was cut from the team when he was in like junior high or high school. Okay? True story. People verifying, yes, that is true. Michael Jordan, but you young people don't even know who that is anymore except I think I've seen some shoes named for that. Michael Jordan, this fabulous basketball player, couldn't make the team when he was young. So what did he do? He uh, decided, I guess I'm not just supposed, I'm just not supposed to play sports. Yeah, because I'm not good. I wanted to be a basketball player, but I'm not good at it. He became great at it. Esau became a skillful hunter. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. If it's something that God is leading you to do. Not true of everything. There are some things you ought to give up. If skydiving, you know, if at first you don't succeed, skydiving is not for you. I, I thought that would take a moment to sink in, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. He's always out there somewhere hunting, and he brings home great stuff. Jacob, on the other hand, was a quiet man staying among the tents. You want to go with me, bud? You want to go with me? Uh, no, thanks. I'll just stay back here. I have... I have some ideas for some new dishes I'm going to cook up with mom. Okay. Oh, was Jacob kind of a sissy? Not necessarily. It's going to turn out to be very good at wrestling later in the book of Genesis. 
but he was a quiet man. And he preferred to be at home than to be out there in the open country. Is that legit? Yeah, totally legit. So, so the, the bad thing is to be a skillful hunter out there in the open country. No, that's not bad either. Perfectly fine. Gentlemen, understand that being a manly man doesn't mean you have to be a hunter. And being a hunter doesn't mean that you have to be adult. It's adult. Somebody who doesn't have a brain. Okay? Masculinity has to do with character more than characteristics. Save that for another sermon. Once Jacob was cooking some stew, and Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's the other reason he was called Edom, which is red. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Why would he say that? Why didn't he just say, sure, bro? Did you get anything? Because he'd been wanting his brother's birthright for some time. And his mom may have said to him, you know, God told me before you were born that you're going to be the one that Esau is going to work for someday. But he wanted his brother's birthright. Why do, what's the birthright? The birthright is the firstborn son gets a double share of the inheritance. Doesn't mean that the second child doesn't get anything. It just means the bulk of the estate goes to the firstborn son. Jacob says, I want your share of the inheritance. First, sell me your birthright. Esau responds, forget it, man. I'm going to go cook a rabbit. No. He says, look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? This is called no appreciation for what you have because you cannot endure waiting on delayed gratification. Okay? I want you to put in your notes, delayed, D-E-L-A-Y-E-D, delayed gratification, G-R-A-T, I'm running out of memory here, G-R-A-T-I, F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. If I got that wrong, somebody wave at me. Okay, all right. Gratification. What does that mean? It means waiting till later to get what you want. Have you seen the video of the experiment done with little kids where they say, you know, they put the treat right in front of them and they say, now don't eat that now. Okay? If you'll leave that there, when we come back, we'll give you more. And then the adults go out of the room. 
And the kids look at each other, and it's like, <laughs> why? Because I can see this right now. I can reach this right now. I'm going to get this right now because I want pleasure now. If you do that, you rob yourself of future benefit. What if Mr. Pat decided instead of planting the seeds in the garden, and in order to do that, of course, you've got to prepare the soil, what if he decided, you know, that is so much work. I'm just going to cook these seeds and make a great soup. Well, you could probably make a delicious soup out of a bunch of seeds. And then we'd have no crop. Oh. My sister-in-law has a charitable organization that worked with people in a, I'll just say another country, I won't say which continent, worked with people in another country that were suffering from poverty and malnutrition. And her organization not only provided them with food, but provided them with the construction of a chicken coop where they could have hens that would lay eggs so that they would have ongoing food. Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? They would have enough eggs not only to take care of the children and the staff, but they would actually have enough eggs to have income. They could sell the eggs to other people in the community who also needed food. Great plan. Within the year, the people they gave the chickens to had eaten all the chickens. Why would you just want to eat eggs when I could eat one of those? It's a special occasion. We're not going to eat them all one time. Let's just... Uh, we're having a fancy dinner. It's my daughter's birthday. Whatever, let's, come on. So they ate that one, and oh, it was better than an egg. <laughs> so they decided for some other occasion they'd have another, and pretty soon it was another and another and another, and pretty soon they had literally eaten all the chickens. And they wanted more. And the answer was no. Why would we... Take what people sacrifice to give you so that you can't even say no to yourself. You really love that person? You want to marry them? You want to have their child? Wait until you're married. Delayed gratification. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Delayed gratification. But I want pleasure now. You're going to rob yourself. And you're going to rob the person you say you love. Wait. Wait. 
Wait. First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die. Was he about to die? No. He was extremely hungry. I'm famished. Okay, you're famished. That means really hungry. I'm about to die. What good is my birthright if I'm dead? Give it to me now. That's Esau. Hebrews chapter 12, 15 and 16. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. You got that? Paul warns in Philippians that there are people, verse 18 of chapter 3, he says, for as I've often told you before and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is is on earthly things. You see, they are so focused on getting what they want now, they are failing to look toward the future and realize what God has promised to those who love and serve Him. Which describes you? Are you living this life with an eye toward eternity, or are you just doing what seems like it's going to feel good Now, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. What does that mean? After he had done this deal and he finally got the food that he thought he had to have right then in order to live, does he express regret? Yeah, because his word doesn't really mean anything to him. The future is not what he's interested in. He's living for the now. How are you going to live your life? Just thinking about in the moment, what feels good now, you'll throw your life away. I plead with you to realize that God has a plan. And if you trust him and do what he says, you will find that saying no to your appetites now makes it possible for you to enjoy what God has prepared for your future. Wait on the Lord. Trust in Him. Do what He says. He has a plan that is good for those who love Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for loving us. We do not deserve it, but You are gracious. We look at this story and 
We certainly don't have a lot of respect for Esau because he behaved badly. But it's hard to really feel tremendous affection for Jacob, who took advantage of his brother. And yet, we see that you were at work even in what he did wrong and later what his mom will do wrong in order to accomplish your plan. And we think of the cross. Wicked people crucified. Lamb of glory. And yet, you were at work not as the author of sin, but as the author of salvation. And you used people's choices to accomplish your purpose. Thank you, Lord, for your indescribably wonderful gift. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.